five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. Put in sport mode and you're gonna fly. And just exactly how awesome was it? The mighty mighty Nissan GTR. You got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this. And we'll do it live. Live, live. And we'll do it live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the wonderful people all across the internet. My name is Christian Mo, and you are listening to the TopSpeed.com podcast. Topspeed.com is your crazy, cool, and amazing internet home for awesome automotive stuff. Hi, everyone. How are you? Uh, today, let's see. I'm trying to get some extra things together. Going to get the YouTube feed open. Today, I'm joined by our editor in chief, Justin Coupler. Hi, Justin. Hello, Christian. Hello, Top Speeders. I hope everyone's doing fine on this Thursday afternoon. I mean, I'm sure everyone's probably doing really good. It's Friday Eve, and everyone likes Friday Eve. All right, what about our other guest today, Mr. Mark McNabb? Mark, how are you? Fantastic. Man, it feels like Tuesday to me, so to know it's Thursday, like, it just makes my day bright. Okay. Yeah, just throw that out there. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it is not, not it's Tuesday. Tuesday in this world, okay? Can't change wow. that. <laughs> so, anyways, right, hi, how, is, how is everyone? <laughs> I guess we're all doing good. I wonder. I'm questioning what Mark has in his cup there. Yeah. Speaking Green of, tea. hold on. I have to. Uh, Even though it says coffee beverage. Yeah, it's still green tea. <laughs> Mine is not green tea. Mine is intelligence, uh, and motivation, happiness. EBT like approved. <laughs> crack in a can. Yeah. All right. I uh, want to say a big thanks to everyone who is currently watching live. We've got a couple of guests. Um, hello, all of our live viewers. We've got our first one is Mr. Randy Walker. He's another one of those wonderful guys from the local Miata Club that I've talked about a few times. Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyways, well, I do it. have before we get started. I do have one really cool thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> look at that thing. You were such a nerd. Look at that. Isn't that... It's a Mini Cooper. A big one. Why haven't you made built it? Made out of Legos. Because I, I, I work and I haven't had time yet. And, oh. um, but, like, it's super awesome. So it's got a picnic basket, and underneath the trunk, which opens, there's a spare tire. And in the front, the hood opens, and there's an engine in it. And the interior bits move, and the top comes off, so you can see the whole interior. I mean, like, it's totally awesome in a lot of ways. We are wrong. It's a Mini Cooper, so it's a boot and a bonnet, not a hood and a trunk. Come on. Well, give us a drive review once you're done with it. Yeah, it's like it's nine inches long when it gets done, so it's it's decent size for being a Lego kit. But anyways, um, you know, I should do that live. Just just like do like a ten and a half hour long YouTube video of me building that thing live, going, "Where's the stupid long piece?" <laughs> and absolutely. No one would watch that. No. You know what? 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'd watch it later. Well, enjoy the twenty-hour build. All right. Again, this is TopSpeed.com's podcast. <laughs> we are an automotive podcast. We like to talk about a lot of automotive things. So let's start with our weekly wheels. And uh, we're going to start with Mark McNabb, who's been driving some big, big stuff. Yeah, so I was in, gosh, the GX460, and it was a luxury edition. So, I mean, this thing was, like, it's pretty much a house on wheels. Um, For those of you who are unaware, that's a Lexus. Yeah, we, I, yes, it's a Lexus. So, Lexus house on wheels. It It's big, it's roomy, it's comfortable. It's got V8 power, it's got four-wheel drive with low range, you could tow some stuff with it, and it's got three rows of seats, and uh, it just feels old. That's my main complaint about it, it just feels old. Um, yeah, sure, it's body on frame, which, you know, a lot of SUVs, you know, kind of still are these days, but it just, it feels a little ancient, and mostly due because of that uh, that old 4.6 liter V8 up in the hood, so... Well, um, and, and when was the last time that was refreshed in any sort of meaningful way? You know... I ha I can't even remember. Like, yeah, it has a kind of a refresh for 14 as far as like the front end and like the kind of the way it looks. But I mean, the the greasy bits are all still the same. Um, so it's starting to show its age a little bit. But I mean, it works well for a decent SUV. Like I had it in a pretty deep ditch and was able to get out of the ditch pretty easily. Had it in low range, didn't feel any tire spin at all, and it just crawled right up. Uh, and it's got straight tires, so I mean. That was pretty nice. But, yeah, I mean, this thing, you know, it didn't really have any major options to it, but because it was the luxury, it already came with everything. So it had, like, the Mark Levinson sound system. That was $1,100, and that was the only option. But it's still stickered at $62,700. So, I mean, yeah. And I hope you save some money, too, because you're going to need it at the gas pump. This thing gets 15 city, 17 combined, and 20 on the highway. And my average for the week was like 15.3. And that, a lot of that was highway. A lot and, of it was and, highway. And how much horse, horsepower do you, do you have? <laughs> 301 asthmatic horses. So, yeah. wow. <sighs> you know, you're making me feel a yeah. lot better about what I was driving this week, which has a lot of the same problems because it's from the same freaking family. Yeah. So also, according to the Wikipedias, uh, the second generation GX debuted in 2009, so it's okay. five years old. Yeah, well, you know, okay, so I have I have nothing really bad to say about how the car works itself. Like, it's nice. It's really comfortable. It's roomy. It's got um, it's got a great uh, rear seating arrangement where, like, you can get into the third row seats very easily. Um, but I think there's a lot better ways to spend $62,000. Especially on a car, um, I think there are a lot yeah. of Lexus that you can say about say that about. <laughs> yeah, I hate to put it that way, but there yeah. are tons of Lexuses you could say there's better money. I could better ways. Like, okay, if I wasn't going to tow, and I didn't need to go off road, but I still wanted to haul some people, like, why not the new um, the new one, the NX? Like, sure, it doesn't have third row, but you know, I mean, it's a lot better looking. It's a lot newer. It feels a lot newer. You know, I mean, people are all about that space. Yeah, it's annoying. I guess so. Uh, and you know, speaking of annoying, the one of the major complaints I had about the uh, usability of this car was the 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 tonneau cover that goes over the the cargo space. The thing was ridiculous. It weighed about 15 pounds, and it had uh, once you got it clipped in, it had these flaps that 
cover the space between the, con the tonneau cover itself and the rear seats, and it had like 10 snaps you had to snap to the rear seats, and then you pulled it over back, and it, it was just ungainly and huge, and if you had to remove it, you had to like do these little squeeze things on like the side of it. It was just... I, I literally set it in my living room for the week that I had the car because I just... It was didn't want to screw with it, yeah. No. So, um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it was a decent car. Um, you know, I felt like I was uh, in place when I rolled through some pretty uh, swanky neighborhoods. So. All right. And that's, that's all that matters, right? All right. Well, so I was driving around in what's well, kind of the basis for your machine, um, the Toyota Tundra. Yeah. I was in the 2014 Tundra, the fancy 1794 edition. Yeah. Um, and I liked a lot of it, and I didn't like a lot of the rest of it. Hmm, interesting. Well, I've driven this truck, so I'm curious to see what your opinions are. Okay, first, I have a big issue with fit and finish. And uh, I want to ask you, how was the fit and finish on the truck that you test drove at the launch? Okay. Because mine was, was far from perfect. Wow. See, I think I was in a pre-production model um, in the 1794, in fact, too. It was nice. Like, it was Lexus quality. It, I mean, it's definitely not, uh, you know, Audi or anything, but for a truck and for a Tundra, I thought it was rather nice. Like, nothing squeaked, nothing rattled. Uh, the panels seemed to fit together really well. Uh, and these trucks were abused, too. I mean, like, uh, as we know, our lovely uh, <laughs> Phil decided to jump one. Jump one, yeah. And it still worked after that. So, uh, I mean... It's a great video, yeah, though. I love that video. It is, a, it is a good video that we have, you know, Phil launching the Tundra into the air and smashing down. But, um... No, I mean it – yeah, it wasn't bad. Well, so – okay. So it's full of leather. Yeah. And, and the seats are really nice. It's like a brown sort of dark tan saddle leather with yeah. like a light tan stitching. And the leather seats are mostly leather, but like right on the inside of the bolsters is like a soft sort of suede leather. It's really nice. And then on the dash is a big chunk of wood yeah. and another big chunk of leather that's got this stitching in it. And the stitching is where the big problem was. Right there in the center of the freaking dash, the contrast stitching wasn't a straight line. It looked like I had tried to sew it myself by hand. It's like sort of and it was that way on every single panel inside that truck. It looked like a seven-year-old with the twitch was trying to stitch that thing. Wow. None of the stitching lines were straight. Wow, that's that's crazy on a press car. My goodness. Right. Wow. Yeah, Do you have pictures of that up yet? Uh, no, I don't have pictures of that up yet. Oh, my gosh. Um, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. So it's – well, and I, I ran into a little issue because it's not as easy to see in the pictures as it was to see, Just like, in, person. in the truck. Yeah. But um, I'll go ahead and I'll dump one in real quick so you guys can take take a look at it here in just a second. But um, it if it wasn't a $46,000 truck – I wouldn't have been quite so concerned about it. But it's a $46,000 truck, which is not cheap. No. Now, to be fair, it is cheap compared to some of the competitors. So yeah. if you want to buy a base-level GMC 1500 Denali, so granted, by base-level Denali, you still have most of the options, but you get the smaller 5.3-liter 5, 5 engine, you're looking at fifty three grand. So that's more money. But that's actually the thing that worried me the most about this machine is because next year we have a brand new Ford F-150. Right now we have a brand new um, Chevy and, and GMC, right? I've not been in either of those trucks. 
I've been in the old 1500, and the tundra right now is equal to the old one, which means that if the new one <laughs> is any better at all, yeah, the new one's better. Okay, so I have been in both trucks. I've been in the Tundra 1794, and I've been in the, the uh, Chevy Silverado High Country, which is the King Ranch version, if you will. Right. Um, hands down, the Chevy wins uh, on interior fit and finish. It was just a nicer truck. You know, I think the materials were a little bit nicer. The way the dash and everything was laid out, ergonomics was really good. But that's not to say the Tundra was bad, and I don't – I mean – well, and you even know, even beyond to... fit and finish, just as a truck, I oh, think yeah, the Tundra, true. as a truck through and through, is on par with the old Chevy and with the old Ford. But with a brand new Ford coming out next next year that weighs like 600 pounds less and has all these great new engines and all that sort of stuff, and the brand new Chevys that are out, I'm 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 just worried if that that price difference is there for a reason, and I'm still not sure it's worth it if those new trucks are that much better. Yeah, now, when I talked to uh, Toyota engineers at that launch, they were like, you know, yeah, we, we looked at the other engines from Chevy, and, you know, like, yeah, they've got all this great, like, variable valve timing, direct injection, displacement on demand, and stuff like that, but, you know, we decided not to include any of that on our engines besides variable valve timing, and, uh, you know, we're still making, you know, X number of uh, miles per gallon, and we can still tow 10,000 pounds, and we feel pretty good about that, and that was kind of their attitude about it. And, well, I think... Part of their problem is they kind of ride on that old reliability thing that they had many years ago, where they were the you know king of all reliability. So it's oh well, we're Toyota, so it doesn't matter, right? Well, this truck needs to be re reliable because the Lexus that Mark was driving came out in 2009. This truck came out in 2007. <laughs> so this is the second generation Tundra, and it's essentially unchanged from 2007, except for this year there's a full visual re refresh. Mm -hmm. So all new yeah. body, all new interior, but the things that make the truck a truck haven't changed since 2007, and you can tell it when you drive. It feels old. But I'm also one of these people who I, I'm, I'm not a truck person in the way that people are like, all I want is trucks, all I want to drive is trucks, that's what I use to go get groceries. No. I, I live on a farm. I have horses. I use a truck to haul hay, to haul trailers, to do things. And so I want a truck to act and feel like a truck. So the fact that it felt old most of the time wasn't that big of an issue to me because it still felt like a truck and less like a car, which I appreciated. But I'm, 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 I, I just feel like Toyota's, yeah, just, just being lazy about it. They're like, well, we know we can't outsell Ford or Ram or Chevy, so we're just going to make a thing, and some people will buy it, and that'll be fine. Like, like That's sort of how I feel their attitude is about it, mm -hmm. and that kind of upsets me. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good truck. It really is. There's nothing overly wrong with it. Um, I wish it had a fully boxed frame. I wish it had a more efficient engine with more horsepower. Um, but you know what? I'm okay with horsepower, but I do wish it was more efficient. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I think I remember it getting about 15 or 14 miles per gallon. So um, I think. Well, so the 5.7 that's in it now is 380 horses, 400 pound, pound, pound feet of torque. So it's yeah. a stout little V8. Um, and the sticker here says 13 city, 18 highway, 15 combined. Um, during most of my highway driving, I was getting about 16, 16 and a half. Um, then I moved a trailer. We we went, we bought a new horse horse trailer this this weekend. So bumper pull, two horse slant load trailer with a tack room up up front. Uh, it's about 3,700 pounds or so, according to the websites that I can find. 
Um, telling that, I got like 11 and a half, 12. Yeah. So that was, it was like, ugh, 12 miles to the gallon. Yeah. Like, I, now, I, I will I, have I to say. around Chattanooga, and I had to fill up again when I got to Knoxville, which is like an hour and a half drive. And I'm like, how can I have used this much gasoline in such a short amount of time? That's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Now, I will have to say it does pull a trailer really nicely, um, especially in a straight line. Um, that V8 will move that trailer pretty quickly. In fact, I, I pulled a, uh, like a Airstream RV with the with mine at the press launch. Man, it was pretty quick. Yeah, no, I was I was fairly so. Im- impressed with the uh, towing. Um, I like that on the on the bumper they've got both plugs. Yes. They've got the large round plug and this and the small square and both integrated, so you're never going. Oh well, I picked up a U-Haul and now I have to buy a freaking twenty-five dollar adapter because I don't have the right plug. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, and I mean everything worked great. Uh, I love that the rear view camera. Like I'm not a huge rear rear view camera guy either. But um, I love it in this truck because along with the lines that tell you where you're going to go, like where the truck is, they've put a dashed line straight down the center of the camera display where the hitch is. So trying to back up to load to load the trailer to begin with was super easy. I knew exactly where the hitch was. Um, excuse me. I backed right up, dropped the trailer on the hitch, and I could go. It was great. You hit the little tow, tow haul button give you so it holds the gears lower. And you can leave. Um, the transmission shifting logic is actually really great in in, in tow haul mode. Um, it'll hold gears, but it won't hold them obnoxiously. Um, so when I was in actually the old GM, GMC Denali, in tow haul mode, it just always seems to hold a lower gear, even when you're like cruising on the on the highway. So it just like the engine was really loud and really droney all the time. And the Toyota, I guess just because they programmed it to get as good of fuel fuel economy as possible, as soon as it senses that you're not really like like you're going down a hill a bit or you're on a flat bit, you're not actually pulling anymore, it's really quick to upshift and get you down in those lower revs so that it's quieter in the cabin and you're getting a little better fuel economy. And then as soon as you need to, it'll downshift in a heartbeat to give you the power you need to pull. Yeah. So What, GMC, really what like year that. GMC was that that you were driving? Uh, 2013. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I drove yeah. a, a 14, the 14 Denali that I had, uh, uh, tow haul worked really well. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the tow haul didn't work bad in that truck. I just didn't like how it was really slow to give me a higher gear, yeah. which, again, helps with towing because then you always have that power on tap. But it's like when I'm on the highway going 55 in fifth gear instead of sixth, and it just, I'm like, okay, can we, can we, can we please just, just, just one more gear? It's a flat yeah. spot. It'll be fine. So yeah, but I I mean overall like as 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 a truck it was it was fine. Um, I loaded it up with people, you know everyone felt comfy in the back seats. Again I hauled my seats are huge on that truck. Fine, they are huge. Um, I do have to say I didn't find the front seats very comfortable. The bottom cushion's really stiff. Hmm. But um, otherwise, like yeah, I mean it's 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 just a good truck. And again when it's forty six thousand dollars compared to fifty three thousand dollars, I'm like. That's a lot of money, and that buys a lot of gasoline when you're looking at something like the the fifteen hundred Denali from from GMC. But I still worry on is that you know eight or seven thousand dollars worth the way you should go with it. Does that make sense? I'm just yeah. worried that that might not be. If the new truck is that much better, because again I'm not driven. If the new truck is that much better, it might be worth the cash to just go for the big truck. Yeah, I wonder how much. Um... How much that new King Ranch is going to cost from Ford? Yeah, because I'm thinking right now it's like 46, 47 for uh, like a, a crew cab 
King Ranch from Ford. All right. You know what? I'm tired of talking about trucks. Let's talk about something that's really fun and awesome. <laughs> trucks so, are awesome. No, trucks Trucks are okay. Trucks are great when I need to move things. Otherwise, the heck with yeah. trucks. So um, everyone knows last night was the world's most obnoxious anticlimactic oh, of the Mazda Miata that, ever. That was the biggest waste of time I've ever had. I took the time out of my evening to sit and watch it, and I was like, are you serious? Do I really have to relive Duran Duran? Like for well, like twenty minutes of car, hours of Duran Duran. <laughs> not even not even twenty minutes of car. It was like so there was obnoxious music playing uh-huh. with nothing happening. And then dude came out and talked and you couldn't hear him. It was just more obnoxious music. And then he went away. And then he came back out for the actual start of the program and he's like, So making this car is hard because it's an icon and man, designing an icon is hard, but I think we did a good job with this iconic design. Here's the car. Three minutes later, Duran Duran! And, like, that was it. And the you're watching part- Duran Duran with, like, the headlight in the corner of the frame for, like, almost an hour or some ridiculous mess. What's funny is our guy who was actually watching the live reveal uh, caught something in the middle of the whole thing after he made all the announcements and said, here's Duran Duran. You can hear the announcer in the, in, over the last oh go, Well, I dragged that on as long as I possibly could. No, that no. so I watched that, too, and, and that wasn't... Uh, when he let Duran Duran out, that was afterwards. Because after Duran Duran, oh, afterward, it, there was yeah, more was... music and nothing. And it said, "Stay tuned for more info." We're like, "Okay, fine. We're gonna get drivetrain specs. We're gonna get something." Stay tuned for more info. And then they showed us the 25th anniversary commercial. Uh-huh. Then they showed us a, like an interview with one of the guys, or with the guy who helped design the first original car. And then they cut that out in the middle of it to go back to obnoxious music. And then he came back out again and spent 20 minutes talking about all of the not their design details. He spent more time talking about all the things they didn't do, the things they did. He's like, so we don't have any sharp body creases here because the first car didn't. And so, you know, we have this nice smooth shape because we didn't want the crease because if you have a crease, it goes against this. And I'm like, I don't want to know about what you didn't do. I want to know about the greasy bits that's making the damn thing move. Yeah, yeah it's I, like, I can see it for myself. Let's just hear about the stuff I can't see. Like, tell me about the displacement, horsepower, torque, transmission. Like, ah. Yes, yeah, I turned I turned it off after they ran the 25th anniversary commercial with the sound of the 25th anniversary commercial over the top of Duran Duran. I don't know if you yes. noticed that. Yes. The same yes. Duran Duran. There's the commercial with the audio from the commercial. I'm like, you know what? Screw this, and I shut it off. <laughs> the audio. Whoever was running the AV booth was smashed. That's the only yeah. thing I can figure. He was <laughs> smashed out of his mind. But yeah, after the extra 35 minutes of him talking about the design, they cut that out. He's like, meet me outside at the other car, and you can see it better. And that's why it's like I dragged it out as long as I could as the mic oh, turned okay. out. I was like, I, I, oh, my God, really? Yeah, I didn't get to see that part. I just read about it from our guy who was watching it from Kirby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, so he just, just happened to tell us the same thing we all thought, is this is boring and taking too long. What the hell is going on? He's like, I did the best I could to make it suck, guys. And really, I mean, I knew that they – I knew they were going to be secretive about stuff, but I thought maybe we'd get something – some some little bit of information about the drivetrain, you know, just 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 a little bit, guys, just a tiny little itty bitty thing. No, no. Oh, here it is, and here's the design, and here's Duran Duran, and you can see the side of the car kind of off on the side, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, things that now it it wasn't a total wash or a total bust. We did get some info. Um, so they gave us some really general info about the Japanese spec model. Um, yeah. like sizes, dimensions, stuff like that. So so here's what we do now, and then we'll talk about how it actually looks because it looks incredible. So car is smaller in every dimension but one. 
So it weighs at least 220 pounds less. It is about a half inch lower. It is four inches shorter. So they, they've taken a bit of length out. Uh, it's about a half inch shorter in the wheelbase, but it is <laughs> almost a half inch wider. So a tiny bit lower, a tiny bit wider, a tiny bit gone out of the wheelbase, a fair bit shorter, and then it weighs a lot less. Um, so we know that. Um, conventional suspension, uh, So and then this is a, a, a good chunk of this is from Keith. Uh, Tanner at, at, at Flying Miata, he stayed to chat with the chassis engineers, and he's like, okay, don't tell me engine things, but here's chassis questions I have. So um, pure conventional suspension. There is going to be no fancy adjustable hit a sport button and the suspension will lower and tighten. None of that crap. It's Good. a normal suspension. So he says there is a sport button on the design model, but that's actually part of the automatic transmission. And he says, yes, the car that rolled out onto the show floor with the manual shift knob, was an automatic. Don't read anything into that. It's the way they had to build it. <laughs> now, the chassis engineer says it's going to be much better than the current car. It talks about steering, steering feel, and driving fun instead of just increasing the grip limit. So they really focused on that idea of making it fun to drive, not just making it grip as well as possible. Um, he says there are 195 width tires on the driving model, so not very wide tires. That's actually less than what I have on my Golf. Yeah, it's pretty um, skinny. Yeah, he says he says final damper specs have not been set. They're gonna wait until they have near production unibodies for the for the test mules. So they don't even have like production spec unibodies yet, which I think is part of why we don't have drivetrain specs. Um, he says specific tire sizes, exact tire sizes have not been decided, but they're gonna be about the same as an NC. That means if you buy the rims, you can actually run a 255 on that thing. So you can run big wide nine inch tires. It's just not gonna come with those. Um, obviously, it's 100 kilos lighter than the current car. No comment on powertrain specs. It has an almost perfectly flat bottom, Keith, Keith says. And, and he says the front radiator is inclined just like it is on the NC. So what I get from that sort of stuff is the engine they've told us is going to be a Skyactiv-G. So that means no turbo, Justin. And where th there's no fact behind it's going to be a Sky Active G. No one officially from Mazda said, hey, no, it's going to no, be No, 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 no. Mazda, Mazda has said that's part of their specs. It has a Sky Active G engine. They didn't say which one. They didn't say what size. Yeah, no, it's it's in that Japanese spec thing. You get the sizes, and all they said is it has a Sky Active manual transmission, a Sky Active G engine, and that's it. They didn't say which engine, they didn't say what size, they didn't say how much horsepower, they didn't say anything about that. They just said Sky Active G engine. Mm, I, I looked through that thing, and I'm not seeing anywhere in it. I'm looking at it right now where it says Sky Active G. Um, it's, I, uh, if you go to the article uh -huh. uh, and look, uh, the official specs or the JDM specs or whatever like that, it says it right there, Sky Active G direct uh, injection gasoline engine. Where, where are you seeing that again? On our article, the main article. Uh, oh, I don't care about. I don't. Our article is just, that's the 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 engine we put in there. That's no, 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 no. On our article, we have yeah. a list of specifications. We have this. Yeah, the screenshot that, Mazda sent out. That uh, that includes oh, oh, all oh, of the specifications. Okay. okay. okay I didn't so see that. Oh. body type, seat length, width, height, wheelbase, engine, transmission. Yeah. And by oh, the way, okay. Um, I'm looking here on Twitter, and I can't seem to find it, but I know um, there were some guys that actually got close enough and, and took pictures of the tires of this thing, and they are saying, and that's what we have listed here, that it was running – let me get back to it uh, – Bridgestone Potenza's 
uh, sized in 205 45 R17, so a little bit thicker tire. So well, so that was on the 17 inch rim. Yeah, yeah there are, there are 16, and 16 17 inch. inch. Yeah, so there's that. We know that. That's the only spec we know is that yeah. yes, it will have a 16 inch and a 17 inch uh, wheel. So yeah, and the 17 is running the 205. The 16 is running the 195. 195 50 R16. Yeah. Yep. But but again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out here. Okay. Yeah, it says Sky Active G engine. It does say it. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I've kind of changed my, my tune on this whole turbocharging thing. <laughs> hey, my you tune. know what? Change your tune all you want to. You still owe me 20 bucks. But just because it's a Skyactiv-G engine, you're assuming immediately Skyactiv can't be turbocharger, can't mean no, no, absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. Skyactiv is simply technology. It does not mean no turbo. It doesn't right. mean that. But I think if they have a Skyactiv turbo engine, it's going to be called a Skyactiv-T. I guarantee it. Because that's how they're doing their branding. They have Skyactiv G for gasoline, Skyactiv D for diesel. They're gonna have a Skyactiv T for turbo, and I bet you that's what's gonna come in the new Mazda Speed Three is gonna be a turbocharged version of whatever they're using here, and it's gonna be called a Skyactiv T. But also remember, there are now. there are also several rumors going about that there are multiple engines for the for the Miata. There's a 2.0, 1.5, and possibly a third. Right. I think all that is is the same thing you run into when people are talking about all the new iPhones that are always going to come out. Is mm-hmm. it's These are our design prototypes. We've tested a 1.5. We've tested a 2.0. We've tested a 1.8. We tested a turbo. The, but cost-wise and I think with just general marketing-wise, they're probably just going to stick to one engine like they always have. Yeah, the I car is too good. low of a volume car for a company the size of Mazda to pump out multiple engines. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And also, you know, once you take in consideration the, the weight drop, um, you know, 220 pounds, that's whenever I started to change my tune. Once I saw that 100 kilos drop, that's – you're dropping below 2,300 pounds. So – Well, so I've had some arguments with people on the internet about this. I saw mostly, that. Mostly in the uh, online Miata group. Yeah, I'm, I saw that I'm argument. Of, is they said 220 pounds at least is gone. But is that 220 pounds from a decked-out, top-spec, power-retractable hardtop, or is it from a soft-top club? Because there's like a 100-pound difference there. Yeah, that's true. So the cool thing is, is if it is 200 pounds off the board, like they're going to make a hardtop model later, and just every single model that comes out is going to be 200 pounds less than its comparative current-gen model, then this car is going to weigh less than your car, Justin. It's actually going to weigh less than the second-gen model. Oh, yeah. So if it weighs less than the second-gen model, and even even if it only comes with a bone stock version of the 2-liter Skyactiv engine that they use in the Mazda 3 with 160 horses, it's still going to have one of the best power-to-weight ratios of any production Mazda that's been out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's why I started changing my tune on that, because you know what, that kind of weight drop, yeah. But I said the same thing. I th- so um, I want to talk about another thing real quick. People have been touting this 200 horsepower number, 200 horsepower. Everyone keeps saying 200 horse- horsepower. And um, even though the Skyactiv engine right now only makes 150 horses or 160 horses, they're running a 14.1 to 1 compression ratio. Wow. Yeah, well, they have the world record for compression ratio on their Skyactiv gasoline engine. That's they, they set that world record. They have the highest compression gasoline engine that's a production engine, and they have the lowest compression diesel engine, and they're both like 14 to 1. So if they can run a compression ratio that high, I don't see why it would be very hard to get 200 horsepower out of a 2 liter at all. 
Because I think Honda was only running like a 12 and a half to one compression ratio in the S2000 engine, and they bought, and they got to two 201 horses. So granted, that was a 9,000 RPM with VTEC, but if Honda can run a reliable compression ratio <laughs> that high, then why can't Mazda get 190 or 200 horsepower out of a 14 to one engine? It's true. <clears throat> well, because their VTEC hadn't kicked in yet, yo. Yeah, yo. <laughs> Oh yeah. Also, one thing that nobody's really talking about, but my friend Randy is is obsessed about. Technically, the car's mid-engine now because according to all their diagrams that they've given us and all the X-ray di- yeah. stuff, the engine is now behind the midline of the wheels. Yeah, it's it's That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and I've I've seen that somewhere too. It was like you know you know let the arguments commence of like whether this constitutes a mid-engine car. And well, what they what they'll call it is a front, a front midship engine, right? Yeah, front yeah. midship like they did the 300G when it first came out. I was like, oh, it's a front midship. <laughs> yep. Um, which I mean, that's you know that's that's cool, and I th- I think that that's probably accurate because I don't know how else they're gonna get that super low, swoopy, sloping hood that they have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, you have to move that engine back to make room for that thing to drop. Mm-hmm. Um, also, about the looks. Everyone who's seen it in person says it looks a lot better in person. I hope so, because I got to tell you, when I, when I first looked at it, it's one of those cars I had to say, okay, it's got to grow on me. Um, I hate having to say that about a Mazda, a Miata, but I said it about the NC, and I'll say it again about the ND. It has to grow on me. By the time the NC was leaving, I liked it. Oh, so, see, I think it looks fantastic because I think it's got good bits of every car that I like that's out right right now. That's one of the issues I have with it is the fact that it has so many bits of so many cars. It has FRS, it has LFA, it has BMW Z4, it has uh, several other cars that I that can I can't rattle off the top of my Okay, head. well, but here's the thing about that though, it's a roadster. You can only do so much design-wise with the roadster. When when to fit the definition of the car you're building, it has to have short overhangs. Two doors, no top, and good visibility. Like, and it has to be small. Like, when you're stuck within those confines, there's only so much you can do. Um, and I've heard lots of people. Everyone who says it, seen it in, in person, says it does not look like a BRZ at all. And almost everyone who's seen the rear end says anyone who says it looks like a BMW is an idiot. It looks like an F-type. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, those oh, yeah, tail lights are. So, so those tail are like a dead ringer, and um, almost uh, kind of reminds me of the 4C a lot too. Yeah, and um, I think one thing that no one's talking about is this car looks nothing like the NC. Um, so the NC generation car was a huge departure in every way. Um, completely radical change of design, completely different architecture, completely different drivetrain. Everything was totally new for the NC. And when you look at the ND compared to those cars, the NC is the stepchild that doesn't belong. The new car looks like a modern interpretation of the NB generation car to me. It's got those same big sort of bumpy fenders with a dip in the middle. It's kind of got that small Viper sort of look down that the NB did. So it's almost like the ND, it's even with, especially with its shorter, shorter size and slightly different uh, proportions, to me I think looks more like the next generation NB car than it does a yeah. new version of the Miata running from the NC. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yep, it's like especially because yeah. uh, some of my my friends have been posting pictures of their car and the other car next to it, and they're like, "Should I keep mine or should I get the new one?" You know, just from like a design perspective. And when I see the NB, like like with your Mazda Speed, Justin, mm-hmm. like 
sitting at that same front three three quarter angle with the new ND, they look so similar. Yeah, it shares some similarities. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a dead ringer or a uh, or a, a, a new generation of it. I can see the similarities. I can see that they did completely do away with the soft the soft look of the NC. Um, I don't know if I call it a, a new generation NB. I don't know if I go that far with it. See, I don't know. Like, so the the hood cut that comes over the fenders and down towards the bumper is mm-hmm. almost identically shaped on both cars. Yeah. The, the mouth opening is almost the exact same general shape. It's just bigger on the new car. Mm-hmm. Where the fog lights are on your car have now been replaced with those ducks, but it's still yeah. the same shape. You've still got that lip with the little up jump mm-hmm. in the middle. You've still got the fender that sort of bumps up and around the back, and again, you have those big pontoon fenders that run out on either side. Mm-hmm. You have that sort of half teardrop sort of shape headlights where it's smaller towards the inside and it gets bigger as it goes out and then comes back to a point. I mean, to me, that's it looks almost exactly like a modern interpretation of the old NB car, and I freaking love it. See, I, I still take some issue. Um, you know, people that say that it doesn't look like a Z4 from the back end are morons. Uh, because look at this. I mean, look at the taillights. If you think it looks like a split between the, the F-Type and the Z4, except on the Z4, the lights are flipped. You have the thin side on the inside and the, the circle on the outside. But actually combine the whole back end, the way the back end comes in and tight with the, with the taillights, it is a spitting image of the Z4. I mean, flip the, flip the taillights around and you got a Z4. They're just separated on the right. On the and I mean, in right. pictures, I'll I'll agree with that. But again, everyone says like once you see it in person, you're like oh no, That's... It, it doesn't look like that at all. Which and yeah. there, there there are a lot of cars like that. Like look at the Porsche Pan, Pan uh, Porsche Panamera. That thing is the most hideous looking machine <laughs> in photos. Like it yes. looks like Quasimodo had sex with a 911, and that's what fell out. <laughs> but when you see it in person, you see the person, you're like, oh, actually, the proportions are really nice on that, and that doesn't look bad. It looks a little long, but otherwise, it's actually a fairly attractive machine. See, now you have me imagining Quasimodo on a 911. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, overall, over the last couple of hours, I've been staring at the front end of this Miata. I can start. I'm starting to like it. Um, One second. Randy, keep your comments clean. Uh-oh. <laughs> I can only imagine what he's telling me. <laughs> no, no, he's just kind of along the lines of Quasimodo. Actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just think there's a little too much of other cars mixed in. I think the guys spent a little bit too much time looking at other cars when designing this. I think they did too much of the BRZ, too much, there's a little bit of LFA in those headlights, too much of other cars in the back end. I don't mind There's being, only so much you can do. Like, there's still, only so much. Still, I, I don't mind inspiration. I don't, that happens everywhere. But some of this stuff is pretty... See, I don't think the headlights look like LFA at all. And they look like the LFA and FRS I, combined. I think it just looks – so I, I will give you that sh- general shape is kind of LFA, but that general sharp sort of teardrop shape is being used on headlights for almost all cars from all makes and brands, and even Mazda's doing it in some of some of their other cars. Like everything that they've done 
fits within their Kodo design language. It's not like this is out of left field where they just took other cars that are selling and just did that, you know? Oh, yeah. And I also don't – I'm also so used to seeing a, a Miata with a, a rounded front end, seeing the, the pointy nose on the front just – yeah. I don't know. It's, it's it's like when 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 you get a brand new haircut or you shave your beard off or something and you just look weird in the mirror. It kind of looks like that. Little man child. Exactly. <laughs> but we still have to find out the engines. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just gonna. Say, it's it's gonna be the two O Sky Active for America. It's just going to be. We're not gonna get the one six or the one five or whatever. It's that engine's gonna be too small. We're gonna get the two O. They're gonna bump the horsepower to at least 180, maybe to to 200, and that's what we're gonna go with. And it's gonna be the best power to weight ratio of any car that that's ever been out there. And that's how they'll get away with it. Because even if they do 170 horsepower with a 2200 pound weight, that makes it. A better power to power to weight ratio than the Mazda Speed Miata, which is currently mm-hmm. the power weight king for their production models. Um, so it'll be better than that. And even though it'll only be two more horsepower, they can say it has more horsepower than than the old model if it comes out with 170 ponies. So that's I guarantee what they're going to be targeting is more power than the old one. And then as long as it has at least 170 horses, actually. I did the math. It's like if it has at least 164.3 horses or something, it'll have a better power-to-weight ratio than the Mazda Speed Miata did. Yeah, some of the some of the things I've seen online are, are like it's the global engines will be a 1.5 with 130 and a 2.0 with like 178. I think is what I saw. Right. Which, now, does does Mazda have global engines for the current car, or is it just a one thing? Uh, they have. Yes, in Europe you get a smaller engine. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I think in Europe they're using like a 1.8 or something. They don't have yeah. R, R2O that we have. Okay. And that goes back to – because in certain countries there's restrictions on size of car and crash standards of car that are actually based on engine size and not car size and all that sort of stuff and fuel economy regulations and all that things that make the whole world complicated. Yeah. Okay, and the current car makes what, 100 and... 168. 68. Okay, yeah. Unless you get the automatic, then it's 156. Boo! Then you yeah. suck life. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Um, anyone have anything else they want to say about the super awesome new new Miata, or should we go on to some more news? Miata Mazda, learn how to do a release. That's all I'm gonna say. You know what? Ford did the same freaking thing with the new Mustang. <sighs> They built up all this, all this. Under, we had... The new Mustang's coming. The new Mustang's coming. Here it is. All right, guys, we're going home. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I, mean, I think first... it was stats, though, right? I love no, the. They didn't, but the thing with the new Ford Mustang, though, is it just got all the old bits. So it was like, whatever. We know what all the old bits are. But they still did that. Like, brand new, super awesome Mustang. Okay, here's what it looks like. We're gonna go home. Thanks. Bye. I love I love how Mazda was able to keep everything a secret though. I got to give them credit for that. They they kept it very well kept until like yesterday afternoon. I think a render came out. From some uh, of yesterday morning, yeah, I wrote the piece for that, and I feel really sorry. Like I was super hoping that that was not what the car looked like, because that means somebody's probably getting fired, and that sucks. Unless he was in on it. Uh, no, I think because Mazda did such a strong job of keeping this thing secret, they would not have just let somebody leak it out 12 hours before the reveal. There's no way. Especially not after all the humdrum and everything that they went through to get this together with the big concert and all that sort of stuff. It's, yeah. Oh. 
somebody's probably losing his job, and that sucks. So, all right, let's go ahead and do some other news. Um, then maybe we'll come back and find more things to talk about for Miata. Um, let's start with Mark. You want to tell me about some Audi TT news? Yeah, so, um, you know, we've already got the new TT out, and it looks fantastic, but um, we haven't seen it uh, with the top dropped or with a convertible top at all. So, um, in fact, we have seen a spy shot of the new TT convertible, or you know, uh, doing its thing on the Nurburgring, but it unfortunately it's covered with all sorts of swirly paint and camouflage that pretty much detracts from any sort of memorable experience. But it's so funny, like, we already know what it looks like. Why not just, you know, bring it out? I mean, the, the parts that are different aren't camouflaged. That's that's what's funny to me. But yeah. That's just that's just my thing. So, I mean, it's going to have all the same stuff. It's going to have that 2.0 liter, um, you know, the four-cylinder with uh, 184 horsepower, um, 280 pound-feet of torque, everything like that. But, you know, it's just going to have a drop top. So that's going to be, you know, fantastic for the people like you, Christian, who, you know, like to get their hair messy. Yeah, well... I mean, get my top of my head sunburnt because all my hair's falling out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, widow's peak. But yeah, I mean, there, that's pretty much all the news to it. I mean, it's just you know, hey, it's here, it's coming. Um, you know, get ready for it. Now, it, it will take another year before it comes out after the coupe uh, debut. So we'll have to wait, you know, to probably 2017 before it actually hits U.S. streets. All right. So, um, that's, that's all there is to that. Well, then we'll give Justin a news story. Justin, will you talk to me about a pretty blue Dodge Viper? Pretty blue Dodge Viper. Let's see. What do we have here? The old Viper GTS ceramic blue package. Um, let's see. I've been on vacation. It is pretty paint. It is well, very, I, very I, I will. I want, to, I want to preface everything, and I want to say this. Dodge is doing exactly what Bugatti has done with the bank. <laughs> <laughs> We're not selling. What are we going to do? You took the words directly out Hey, look, it's a pretty color, guys. Wow, like, buy me, buy me, buy me. never going to do this again. It's going to be limited production. It's going to be the best car in the world. We're only going to make 40. Like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like they, they, they just mixed enough paint and said, oh, okay, let's just do 40. Just tell people it's special edition. We don't want to mix any more paint. Yeah, like yeah, like calipers will do a new badge, satin black yeah, exhaust. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's purely aesthetics. I mean, they're taking a car that's not selling at all and polishing up that turd and rolling it out on dealership lots, calling it a special edition. Your, um, your, your thing about paint, that's, that's exactly what happened. So um, somebody's like, you know what, let's start working on colors for the next model, model year. Um, order four gallons of this paint, and we'll paint one car and look at it. And they accidentally hit too many zeros, and they got 400 gallons of paint. Like, <laughs> Crap, what are we going to do? Uh, special edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Points, decimal points. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of ridiculous. It's a cool car, though. I mean, it looks good. I mean, I'm gonna give them that. It looks. It's a nice looking car. Uh, granted, it's in my rival high school's colors, so it's kind of iffy to me. But it's still cool looking. Um, See, I like it because it reminds me a lot of. Uh, the Mustang Grabber Blue, which is mm -hmm. one of the nicest production colors I've seen in the last 25 years. Um, but it's like a little bit deeper, a little bit darker version of Grabber Blue, and I just think it looks like the tits. I love it. I mean, it's a great-looking <laughs> color. I love the color, but 
Do you feel yeah. like a badge that is a special edition? Can't you just offer the color, maybe? I mean, offer it as a special edition. So, like, Bugatti's not the only one that does this. So BMW, with all their M cars, had the special frozen edition frozen. paints that were <laughs> the matte paint that you can't get it wet, you can't get it dirty. If a bug hits you while you're driving, you have to stop immediately and clean it off with a rag. Like, so, I mean, if people will buy that, I don't see why they won't buy a really pretty blue Viper. Uh, I don't know. What, what else is this thing? Some black rims, some black stripes, you know. Yeah, it's it's a blue Viper with a lot of power and it's going to sit on dealer lots. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be it pretty does. every time I drive by the dealer. Like, yes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it does have ceramic, uh, was it ceramic blue fuel door, orange brake calipers, carbon uh, fiber brake ducts, and a rear applique. So a sticker. <laughs> if you got to call it carbon, at least like maybe make it really cool and give like maybe carbon ceramic brakes or something, not just the carbon fiber applique. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. I I love what uh, the writer. I think it was a uh, Cyprian said. It was like uh, so. In other words, the body has more extra details than Birdman Anderson's tattooed arms. <laughs> Uh, All right, was, next it story. Was, it, was, it was Kirby. <laughs> Credit to Kirby on the... Oh, yeah, it's Kirby, comment. okay. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some Land Rover stuff. So, Which uh, is fantastic. Yeah, so, so Land Rover came out with the vision concept or whatever, with the cool see-through hood and all this stuff, and it looked like a million dollars. We're like, wow, that thing looks nothing like a Land Rover that's out right now. It's swoopy, and it's smooth, and it's pretty, and has all these cool high-tech details. It's never going to look like that. And then they went, hey, here's our brand new model, the Discovery Sport. And it's like, oh, hey, that looks exactly like the concept with different headlights. Awesome. So um, the Land Rover Discovery Sport is much like the Range Rover Sport in that it shares a name and almost nothing else with the other model. So the Range Rover Sport is smaller, lower, faster, has different bits in it than the normal Range Rover. The Discovery Sport's the same way, but even to a greater extent. So we all know the Discovery. It's currently the LR4 here in America. Big, square, boxy thing, can climb Everest, whatever. Ugh. And then they have taken the sort of sleek, modern design that's kind of on the Evoque, and they've made this new Discovery Sport. So it's smaller, shorter, all that sort of stuff than the standard LR, LR4. Um, drivetrain is a dead pull straight from the Evoque. So we've got Turbo 2.0. Uh, we've got a nine-speed auto, which again is obnoxious. But fantastic. <laughs> too many, we're getting too many gears. I do like the way they have it set up, though. So in the yeah. Land Rover, it's really only an eight-speed. <clears throat> There's nine gears. The car, unless you force it into first gear or you're using the low-range mode, starts in second gear. That's the the transmission just starts in second. So that's what you take off in. Yeah. It's it's kind of like some of those cars, like the manual, like the, some of the import cars in the '60s and '70s, like uh, or '70s and '80s, had like first and then the low. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of like what it is. Basically, I my, yeah. Yeah, my uncle had an old Toyota like that. It was like L. What is that? And he goes, "That's low range." And my Toyota Corolla, and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. And my sister had a Honda Civic with that, but it didn't have low in one. It had uh, one, two, and you just always left it in two because if you started at one, it just wound out at about 10 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so that's sort of the same idea is the car starts off in second gear, and then for really low-speed crawling and stuff, you have a super low first first gear. 
Which uh, is really cool. I still think it's too many gears, though, because seven speeds would have been plenty, and you could have just had an eight-speed gearbox and saved a little bit of weight and a little bit of space and a little bit of money and still started off in second. Just, you know. So. But, yeah, new Disco Sport. Um, looks beautiful. Lots of cool tech. Um, there is some things that I think are a bit silly. It's like the headlights are nice and big and round, and they've got an LED tracer that goes around them with brakes in the LED light on each four corners. And I thought it looked like a target, like a gun. And they're like, no, 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 each one of these points represents a cardinal direction on a compass, north, south, east, and west. Whoa. Because we're adventurous, and you go out and you get lost and find your way home in a car like ours. I take my gun with me on stuff like that, so I think it's crosshairs. Right, and I'm just like, this, uh, uh, okay, fine, compass in your headlights, good job, guys. But um, overall, I think it looks great. It's cool that it's new and it's fresh, and it's not a traditional old-school Land Rover thing. Because, like, sticking to your heritage is a good thing, but Land Rover probably went over and talked to somebody at JAG, and they went, don't stay purely heritage. That killed us in the 90s and 2000s. Just killed us. You know, when we came out with our brand-new car that looked like one from the 70s, nobody wanted it. So um, they're they're they're... Keeping general aspects, like the profile is really still Range Rovery. It's got that weird sort of kink in the back and the flat rear end, and it's sort of from the side in a silhouette. It looks like a Land Rover still, but it's a little more modern, a little smoother, a little nicer. I really like it. My favorite part of this whole thing is it is not obnoxiously expensive. <laughs> no, second cheapest Land Rover you can buy, and it's only like $1,400 more than the base LR2. Yeah, it's that's fantastic, and that that LR2 is really a crappy car. It's <laughs> you wouldn't want to buy that. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I love that it's pretty and it's cheap. Of course, most of the cheapness is the fact it says Land Rover on it and not Range Rover, but you know. Yeah. All right, we got one more news story to hit. Uh, talk about an upcoming Kia. Yeah, so um, kind of the same story as the. Uh, the other car I talked about, the Audi, um, we just see the thing running around with a bunch of camo on it. So we're thinking that, you know, it's kind of like a midlife refresh. I mean, the car is not that old, the Kia Optima. So it's, uh, five you know, it's so going to have that. Say what? Five years or so, right? Just no. Um, gosh, when did it come out? It was, um, well, I guess you're, you are right. Uh, 2010, I think, is when it came out. So, I mean... Yeah, it's time for a midlife refresh, but I think it's going to keep all the same greasy bits underneath. It's going to have that same 2.4 liter uh, uh, GDI engine in it, making 192 horsepower, 181 pound, uh, pound feet of torque. I mean, they might bump that up a little bit, but it's still going to have that same Tiger Shark uh, type nose. It's going to keep that same design language, I think, but um, it's just going to look a little different, a little newer. Uh, definitely some interior bits are going to change, but uh, nothing too overly drastic, I don't think. But still, we can look forward to that. All right. So that's all we had for news. Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump into the questions and answers segment. Um, so Simon said, and I love this, guys, winter is coming! F you. Can you give us some <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. a decent set of winter. Well, no, it's a Game of, Game of Thrones reference. Oh. I had to say cold weather, so... <laughs> you live in Florida. You don't get cold weather. Hey, we get cold weather. It gets in the 20s down here sometimes. At like 
Yeah, 20, in the morning. 20, 20 Celsius, maybe. No, no, it's about 3 in the morning. You'll hit about 28, 29 degrees. In the On like three it. days a year. Yeah, three, four days a year. And the rest of the time, it's like 9 million degrees, and the pavement's melting. Yes, yeah, that was. So, so, yeah, Simon, you know, Simon, go ahead and just take advice from the two people who live in Florida who never, you know, never have to drive in snow. We're going to tell you how to buy snow tires. But I, I yeah. drove in snow the majority of my life. I, I have only lived in Florida a few years. So I, okay, that's I right. I drove in Pennsylvania most of my life. Anyway, uh, yeah, can you give us comment, some tips on picking a decent set of winter tires? Rule number one, don't overdo it. Don't go buy a set of big honking studded tires. They, you don't need big, fat studded tires. No, um, actually, you should go smaller. Yes, go skinny. Skinny tires work best in snow. People don't realize that because you have less less uh, uh, area with all that weight, it digs down to the snow. Um, big tires are good for ice, but not snow. Yeah. Why do the tires more they float on top of the snow? So I've got a, a couple of just like bullet points for winter tires. First, again, don't go any bigger. If you're going to buy winter, winter tires, get either the exact same size you have now or go one size smaller on diameter and one size smaller on width. Now, obviously, when you go one size smaller on diameter, you get a bigger ratio. So, like, on my Golf, I'm running um, 225, 45, 16, or sorry, 17. And then if I wanted to get snow tires, I'd go down to a 16, and I'd bump that 45 up to a 55. So the actual overall width of the tire or diameter of the tire is about the same, so it doesn't affect your speedometer and all that sort of, sort of stuff. But uh, you get narrower tires, and you get more sidewalls, so you've got bit more bounce climbing over things like that. You can lower the pressure a little bit. Hang on, did you uh, just say you jumped from 17 to 16? Yes. So like, Do you um, have two different rims? No, 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 no. Like, well, yeah. If I'm going to buy a set of snow tires, I'm going to get them mounted on a set of snow tires. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, I was like, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why if if you're going to just swap the rubber onto your rims, obviously get the same size you have now. Okay. There's nothing you can okay, do about there it. There we go. <laughs> but I, we'll make sure we didn't have poor Simon there trying to cram uh, 16-inch tires on 17-inch wheels. <laughs> yeah. You know what? People will do weird things. I've seen um, it happen. The thing my, – my big thing about just getting a cheap set of spare rims is – how much money is it going to cost you to have your rubber pulled off of your summer tires and put the winter ones on your old rims twice every year versus how much is a set of steel tires that you can just walk out into your yard and swap yourself? Yeah. So and how much would it be to replace your steel tires or your uh, your nice alloys if you curbed it from going mm -hmm. into the, you know, right on ice? So, um, so yeah, so uh, size go narrower is always good. Um, winter tires don't just mean snow. Yes. It's temperature-based. The rubbers in winter tires are made to be softer at colder temperatures. If you have a nice set of summer tires, when it drops below like 30 degrees, those things become as hard as a rock, and you have absolutely no grip and traction, even if the road's completely dry. So if you live in really cold areas, even having just a set of normal winter tires, just cheap winter rubber that work better at colder temperatures, is a good thing. You don't have to drive through 40 inches of ice and snow to justify the purchase of winter tires. And then, as we sort of got to a second ago, I fully believe in just buying a second set of rims with rubber and mounting it on there so they're always there, they're always ready, and then when season comes, you can just go out in your yard, spend you know, 45 minutes one afternoon swapping all your, all, your, all your tires out and having it done, and then you protect your nice rims, you protect your nice rubber, you don't ever have to worry about all that sort of stuff gone. Just store the rims and summer rubber in your garage, 
put the winter ones on and have fun for a couple months and then go back. No mounting and balancing either. Yep. Makes it nice. Yeah, and you can pick up a, a cheap set of steel rims from a junkyard that matches the, the wheel pattern in your car, and you can pick them up for like 20 bucks for, for each each rim. Don't even need to do a junkyard. Um, if you go to Tire Rack, uh, because Tire Rack sells like all of the things, uh, that's probably where I'm going to buy my winter tires from this, this year. They'll, they'll sell you packages. You can type in your car and what rim size you have, and they will recommend the right size width for a good winter tire, the right size diameter rim inside, well, like all of it, it'll be exactly what you need, and they sell super cheap steelies. I think if you're doing a 16-inch steely, they're like $60 a piece, yeah. and if you buy rims and rubber from them, they will mount and balance them for free, so they arrive at your house ready to go. You don't have to bother paying to have them mounted or anything. So because their prices are a little bit cheaper, um, that's actually where I bought my last set of tires from, it was $200 cheaper to buy my rubber from Tire Rack, have it shipped to my house, and take it into a mechanic to have them mounted than it was to just go to Sears or Walmart or anywhere else and just buy that same tire and just buy it and have it done there. I saved $200. That's crazy. Yeah, so I, I, I saved $50 a corner, basically, is what I mm -hmm. saved. Um, same thing with winter tires. You can get a set of winter rubber. Um, like I said, the ones I'm looking for my golf, if I get 16-inch Steelys with um, a decent winter tire, it's like... $76 per corner for the tire, $61 or something per corner for the Steely, and then it's about $18 or $20 per tire to ship. So, and they come mounted, balanced, everything, the whole nine yards. It shows up at your house from the, from the UPS guy, and you just can walk right out to your car, pull off your old rims, put the new ones on, and you're done. Fantastic. You guys, Perfect answer. <laughs> all I have is all I have is don't go crazy with studs. You don't need them no. <laughs> unless you live in Alaska. And chains. Yeah. Don't forget. Don't forget those. Well, no. So yeah. if you if you live in a state like Colorado that requires chains for things like the steep highway hill climbs in the winter, well, okay then. Yeah, studded tires might be something to look at. But studs add a lot of money and they'll wear out a lot faster if you're not mm -hmm. actually driving on ice and snow. So. That would, that would be my thing for it, is if you live in an area where the roads don't get routinely taken care of and are constantly covered in ice and snow in the winter, you could possibly justify studs. Just make sure states allow it. Uh, some states like Wisconsin, yeah. no chains and no studs are allowed by law in Wisconsin because they destroy the concrete roads that they use. Same with Pennsylvania. So, yep. So check legality of things and then go from there. Oh, wait, we have some comments going on here. Uh -oh. One of the people be like, damn, it's 70 degrees. Where's my parka? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I spent a decade in Nova Scotia. There, you want studs. <laughs> uh, Cyprian God. says winter can't come soon enough as far as he's concerned. Randy you know, says the, if I never see it again, I would be happy. Finn the best says, thing about winter, though, is ice racing. That's so much fun to watch. I, I, I want to do that once. Just go to a lake that's been had a course carved on it and go nuts. Oh, my gosh. So Finn says, I don't do winter well. My wife finally admitted that she's going to have to send me or travel with me to Key West at least once a winter or I am impossible to deal with. <laughs> I love – well, I don't love Key West. I love the Keys. Um, Randy Walker says, studs are – $10 more a tire. Okay, yeah. I, was, I, th I thought that he said are more than $10 tire. I'm like, no, Tire Rack charges like $10 or $12 for, per tire for studs. So yeah, studs aren't expensive, but um, you usually don't need them for a lot of things. 
Um, all right, uh, next question. Jason, 009. Guys, what would be your top three most recognizable cars worldwide? Cars that the average Joe all over the world would have no problem naming. Um, I'm going to pick the first one. Volkswagen Beetle. Um, oh, that's, 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 a, that's a really good one. Um, dang, there's so many. Um, I'm going to say probably... Well, no, Honda Civic changes names. Um, okay, I got another one. Yeah. Volkswagen Vanagon. Well, people in the well, I guess in the U.S. Yeah, we did have Vanagon back in the back in yeah, the no, Everyone I, in the world will recognize a VW bus, and everyone will recognize a VW Beetle. True. Well, well, I got, got a Beetle. I got yes. a cousin. I got a cousin of that. The Porsche 911. I think I think that's yeah. a pretty recognizable yeah. car. I'm gonna say the. Another Volkswagen, probably the Golf. Yeah. No. Well, um, another cousin of that, the Lamborghini Gallardo. Gallardo, not Gallardo. So, yeah, Gallardo. <laughs> so, so here's here's my problem with 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 that answer, Mark. Is I will give you brand. Anyone in the world yeah. will see a Ferrari. Doesn't matter what Ferrari it is, and go, that's a Ferrari. Yes, that's Everyone what I think. Everyone in the world will see a Lamborghini. Doesn't matter what Lamborghini is, be like, that's a Lamborghini. Wait, wait, wait! Check that. Hang on. That guy that drove the uh, Bugatti into the water. The the guy who took that video who goes, "You will be mine." What kind of car is that? I don't know. I think that's a Lambo. <laughs> yes, but the Bugatti's more obscure than the Lamborghini. But still, yeah. to call a Bugatti a, a Lambo is kind of. <laughs> so Randy wants to chime in. He says Miata, Bug, and a 911. So yeah, so I, here's the thing about like the Bug. The bug was made from essentially the 40s all yeah. the way up until 2000-something in Brazil. It is the largest produced car, single model car, of all time. No other car has produced as many as that one did. I think it was something like 12 million of those things were, were made. And now that doesn't count. Like, the Golf has 30 million made. But that's across all the generations. That actual original bug that first came out in whatever it was, like 60-something, was produced all the way until late 2000s in, in Brazil or India or some random country. They yeah, still have the like, to produce I think that. I like 2010 is when they stopped production. Yeah, and so there's more than 10 million of those things in existence, and that's such an iconic shape. Um, and then you run into the same thing with the 911. You can take a first-gen 911 and a brand-new 991 edition 911 and put them next to each other. People can obviously go, well, that's the old one, and that's the new one. But they can both – but they can also very obviously go, that's still the same car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that goes <clears throat> yeah. into the why it's so recognizable is because it hasn't changed. Yeah. If you take someone and you're like, which one of these is the 512? And you know, if you're doing Ferrari, like, which one of these is the 512? And – which one is the 559? Like, if you lay all these cars up, especially from, like, the 80s, like, all of the mid-engine Ferraris from, like, the 1979 to 1992, they all look really similar, you know? So you may not be able to pick the exact model out for something like that, but, yeah, I, th I think the really iconic ones that haven't changed that much, like the 911 and the Beetle, and, of course, the VW bus. Everyone knows what the hell the, v the VW bus is. Oh, this? That one right there. Yeah. The Mini Cooper, one. everyone in the world will know what a Mini Cooper is. I saw almost threw my box of Legos on the floor. So, uh, yeah, you got like five or six, Jason. Congratulations. <laughs> Bonus. All right. Finn says the Jag XJ. 
I'm not sure. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's an iconic car, but it's not like I couldn't walk down to Miss Sally down the road and be like, hey, what's this car? And she'd be like, ah, I don't know. You know, I mean, like, but she would know a Beetle. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, yeah. Hey. So that's my thing. Is it? Is it's not car guy iconic? Like the, like the question says, cars that the average Joe all over the world would have no problem naming. You could drive a Volkswagen Beetle or fly it to some remote island in the Pacific that no one has ever found, and there's only three human beings that have lived on it, and they've never met anyone else in the world, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a Volkswagen Bug. Like, that's just – that car is that iconic. My uncle had one. Yeah, I mean yeah. – yeah. <laughs> It's the only thing they know of besides grunts and fishing is the Volkswagen Bug. <laughs> oh, bug, bug. <laughs> yeah. Much anger. Volkswagen Bug. <laughs> All right. Uh, Perfect. So, um, own drive burn. Own drive burn. Hey, uh, we're only going to get at it like an hour and ten minutes maybe. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, Witty Derek asks a terrible, stupid question, and Ellie likes him. Um, compact <laughs> crossovers are very popular today. For God knows why they're terrible, and I want them all to burn and die. Uh, of course. But here are three for own drive burn. The Honda CRV, the Ford Escape, and the Mazda CX-5. So easy. Yes. I would own a Mazda CX-5 because it's the only one that's not absolutely 100% terrible. I would drive the Honda CRV because I've already driven the new Escape and I've not driven the new CRV. Okay. Well, and then I'm... I burn the Escape. That's not... Yeah. I'm pretty similar to you, I would, but I'm a little reversed on two of them. I yeah. would want the Mazda CX-5 in my life all day, every day. I actually almost bought it uh, when we went for the Kia. Um, and I would want to drive the Escape once because I want to drive the Titanium model with 178 horsepower. I think it would be kind of fun. Uh, and the CRV, just kill it. I hate it. It's so long in the tooth. Ugh. It just it makes me cringe every time I see them roll it out once again. Right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in the same like boat. The brand new CRV comes out next year or whatever, so I'm like, yeah. I'll drive the brand new one. <sighs> I've driven the decked out Escape. It's not bad. Yeah, it's, so I it's mean, not great. I, I've been in the Escapes enough to know, like, yeah, they're really nice cars. I would take one, uh, you know, the EcoBoost. That would be my drive once. I mm-hmm. would definitely own the CX-5 because I mean that that is a really cool car, and you can get it with a manual transmission. Yes, you um, can. And the CRV, yeah, I mean that thing just looks freaking old. Just yeah, it's been like the same since the '80s. Yeah. (laughs) Now I I do have have to admit, like I really did like the mid '90s CRV, and they did come with a manual transmission and the all-wheel drive. That's kind of cool, you know, with the spare tire, like uh, yeah, yeah, on the back and everything like that. That one was kind of neat, but I I like that. Yeah, and I like that you could see the rear drive shafts, the the half shafts sticking out of the axle. <laughs> you like you're behind the car like a quarter mile away, and you're like, oh, there's this half. Oh, hey, look, I can see the see it's turning. <laughs> I don't know, and that's why we're boring people. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, what's that? Like my wife, my wife, she hates me because I see cars. I'm like, oh, look at that car. Hey, it's an R8. Wow, cool. What's what's an R8? Oh, it's just a cool car. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, dude, my girlfriend hates being in the car with me all the time. She's, like, oh my gosh, Mark, what are you looking at now? I'm like. Do you not see that right there? And you're like, you know, but now, yeah. The, you know what's terrible, and, and I have to admit this: the Buick Rendezvous was pretty much the most terrible car in the world, second to the Aztec. Terrible car, but I like being behind them because you can see the a the a arms in all of their like aluminum glory just sitting there, and like it's like, 
I can appreciate that design aspect. I know, but like the every car time terrible. I hear you say something like 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 that, the only thought I, I have in my head is he's lying. He doesn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> because because that's how I feel when I do that same sort of thing. I'm like, wait a minute, how in the hell did I ever get married? Because so like. Uh, the STI. I saw one a few weeks ago that apparently had a rather attractive woman driving it. I missed her. Oh no! Yeah. Um. But uh, I was like, oh wow. And Jenny just sees me staring. She goes, really? This girl? And I'm like, what girl? She's like, the girl in that Subaru STI. I'm like, oh, there was a girl driving it. She goes, you can't give me that. It's just an STI. You've seen a whole bunch of them. I'm like, well, well, no. That one was the WR Blue with the gold wheels. So that was one of the limited launch launch editions. Did you not see the gold BBS? She's like. <laughs> I know the same thing, dude. <laughs> same thing. Oh, um, Randy says, hell, my wife has a Hemi. <laughs> I um, almost read that as my wife has a Semi, and I got super worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my gosh. No, no, I, I do have to admit, though, my, my girlfriend is, uh, she's she's into cars than, more, than most girls are, so, you know, I give her that. Yeah. And she puts up with my crap a lot, you know. Oh, look at that car. Look at that car. Yeah, Jenna. Jenna does put up with with a lot of crap for me. She hates it when I get something nice in the in the driveway because they're like, we'll go out to dinner with friends, and then her and one other person will like go into the restaurant, and then me and like the other five people who are going out will stop and talk about the car for twenty minutes. Yeah, I get that a lot too. All right. So, anyways, that has been our show. I, I want to wrap it up before we get too late into talking about absolutely nothing. Um, again, thank you to everyone who came to watch our show. We have. A lot of watchers and chatters this time. Um, I don't nice. see Halty, which is which is kind of kind of sad. Yeah, we're we're crying a tear for Halty. Yeah, but so we got Randy and Cyprian and Finns, and I know that my buddy Mazda Speed Stig is watching on his phone. He sent me a text to say he's watching the show. He just can't comment on the mobile app. Uh, so thank you guys for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Um, if you're not watching us live, that's okay. I still love you. Um, I like having you guys live so we can sort of chat and banter, and then oh my. Uh, Finn says, my wife has a full Cobb package Forrester XG, Forrester XT in World Rally Blue, which is very nice. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, so again, thank you guys. For, see, like, like this stuff. We just like having you so we can chat with you. It makes the show a little more interactive, a little more fun. But uh, we appreciate everyone who watches and listens. Um, if you can't make it to the live show and you even have a hard time making it to the website to catch the show, obviously you can find the video on YouTube or you can subscribe to us on iTunes and get the audio automatically every week when it goes live. Uh, we do the show on Thursday. Usually the audio feed hits iTunes late Thursday night, early Friday morning, so you get it automatically to your phone or iDevice or whatever. Uh, so that's nice if you like that that route. Um, otherwise, thank you guys for watching and listening. Again, I'm Christian Moe. You can find me on Twitter directly at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. I'd love to chat with you. You can find Justin at The Car Junkie, or you can find Mark at Twitter or Instagram on, sorry, at Mark McNabb. Um, please leave us questions for next week's show. Please leave us own drive burns. I've only got one more in the queue waiting that was dropped off last week. Um, so and it's a bunch of M3s. So we're going to be having to burn an M3 next week, which is sad. But um, so I need more own drive burn suggestions. And uh, let us know what you guys think about the show. Let us know what you think about the Miata. And uh, let me know what you think about this thing. If I actually did do a live stream of me building this thing that took like no four one would watch hours, that. no one would watch that. But let me know how terrible of an idea do you think that is. Go, I wouldn't watch it, but have fun. Or go, don't do that, you're an idiot. Just just let me know in the comments. I'd appreciate that. All right. Anyways, so thank you guys so much. This has been our show. 
Uh, we've got some different outro music today. Uh, it's going to go for about a minute and a half or two minutes, and then uh, we'll be gone. And, yeah, my little rat's running around in a cage back there. And uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. So mute your mics, homies. <laughs>